you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the League Podcast. Does it watch soccer? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansen, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. How are you? The energy level is up in this room today. Through the you can room. feel it today. It is Big exciting. Weekend. Speak for yourselves. Why? Uh, What's going on? I'm on the Sessler shift today. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel yes. like I woke up in his dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> the Sessler morning shift, uh, which is before the sun rises. Um, but, Wes, I am glad that you didn't go into uh, your hiking trip deep into the dense Malibu outback. That was good. Well, it's it's supposed to be Escondido Falls, and then I read that there are no falls until the spring when, the, when we have rain. Yeah. So you do all this hiking and see like a trickle. I had a Sessler that you were going to end up, uh, your remains would be found by a hunter in about 14 months. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good that you're here. Um, so we have a, obviously a huge show. This is the, I'm going to say it, best championship Sunday ever. Sure, why Give not? Give me another yeah. year. That where there were four games, and this is this is or two games, four teams that were this uh, deserving of being in the spot. And I will I will give uh, my reasoning why we have a field of teams in which the team featuring Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is viewed as the weakest of the group by many people. I mean that tells you there are some heavyweights involved. I'd argue you a little bit on that, but I, I think that in our era of this, you know, last twenty years, yeah, you're right. In terms of teams with 12... That's what I, that's what I meant. Well, no, I mean, well, I remember a, a year where you had the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins, and you had on the other side of the slate the Broncos and the Browns. Well, it involved the <laughs> NFC East, so you by definition it has place, to be the most important. Like... Four 12-win teams, though, that doesn't happen often. You win 12 games, to me, that's kind of the dividing line between you're pretty good and you're awesome, and, and that's four of these teams. It's funny you bring that up, because when I was thinking to myself before the po- podcast, is this the best championship weekend that I remember, 
The 98 year was the last time four teams had 12 wins or more. And I thought maybe that was the best year because that was uh, the best, best Jets team in my life, led by Parcells and then a great Broncos team. And Freaking th- Gary Anderson. That great Vikings team. Oh, yeah. But then the Falcons ruined it because they weren't. Yeah, that w- well, and that's the th- we can't go wrong with whatever ultimate matchup here uh, we get for the Super Bowl. And the other thing is we're going to get the old guard quarterback, the pure pocket passer type guy, versus one of the new young guns. I, I think it's going to be interesting. You're going with the verse now too? Versus, oh, okay. am I? Is that? Where, <laughs> I, oh, wait, we've, been, heat. we've been nailed for that. Bengals versus. I take Dan's else. lead on all lingo. I wouldn't do that. Uh, before we before we dig into the two games, um, and also we have a special guest coming in the studio, uh, St. Louis Rams star Robert Quinn. He will be in the house, which is something to get excited about. Chris and I, I believe, we kind of settled on him as the defensive player of the year. Did He's, I don't know if you had an opinion, Mark and Dan. We can't speak for Mark and Dan, but he's. Our defensive player of the year. <laughs> I no, I trust your guys' judgment. I think I think Richard Sherman deserves consideration as well. But I think Quinn, you can't argue with. And him. I'm I'm yeah. excited to talk to him because he's faced these two teams a combined four times. So we're going to ask him, you know, the offensive line, the quarterbacks, and he's going to just shake it all up. Uh, before we get into the, so that's coming up a little later. Uh, before we get into the first game on the schedule, I just thought it'd be t- a good time to dig into our final four predictions published. Oh. Oh, wow. August 30th of 2013 at 5.42 p.m. Ouch. Uh, I I will say this. All four of us in this room have at least one horse in the race. That's not that impressive considering it's the four (laughs) most likely teams. (laughs) Two of us have two horses still in the race. Not that impressive either. Same level of clapping. Nothing more impressive about that. And, of course, since I printed this up and brought it up, I am one of those two. I have the Seahawks and the Broncos advancing, and Mark Sessler has the Patriots advancing to face the Seahawks. Applause, please. Uh, Greg, you have the Packers and the Patriots advancing to the Super Bowl, and Wes, you had the Packers over the Broncos, and Patra had Packers over Broncos. Wait, so I guess what the takeaway for me is that I had a – a Sessler, one of the original ones, back in the summer when mm-hmm. I told you mm-hmm. that something hinky would happen to Green Bay's season. Hinky. Yeah. No listening that to that. Was... Just barrel on with yeah. our prediction for Green Bay rolling into February. You did told call you that. it wouldn't happen. Yeah, you did call that. that but that was wasn't it. nice of you because you basically put that into the ether and that all came back no. on a collarbone. It's just a read of what's out there. It's not a I'm not putting anything out there. It's a read. <laughs> So we all have we all have our Greg uh, is Greg is steaming right now. By the way, because he did not what he did not want this getting on the air. <laughs> Why Greg had the Packers as the Super Bowl champion? Oh, but, I like that yeah. pick. I picked them every year. So I'm did, stick so with did them. Wes. Yeah. Both of you guys. Were very hey, I good. have two teams left. I have the Seahawks in my Final Four. Yeah, so do I. Good job, guys. All right, so <laughs> let's. So you totally botched. You totally botched that. Why did I botch it? Didn't we have the Sea? Well, who cares? Didn't we have the Seahawks left? You said only. We, a couple of us only had two teams. You had or Packers over Patriots Packers? in your right. Super Bowl pick. Oh, I see. In the final pick. Uh, yeah. I gotcha. So, all right. Who cares? All right. Moving forward. Let's get into the games that are actually happening, and we will start with the Patriots and Broncos. Oddly, the early game, even though it's the game that everyone wants to see. Um, I'll start it this way for both these games. I'll throw it to you guys. Uh, we'll bring up the previous meeting before between the two teams. Uh 
And the Broncos, of course, had the devastating loss. They had a 24 nothing halftime lead back in Week 12. The Patriots scored in their first five possessions of the second half. Uh, the Broncos came back to tie it, and then they lost on a kind of fluky special teams play. So the Patriots got the win there. What, if anything, can we take from that Sunday night classic? I don't take much for, from it. I think the Patriots are such a different team now, and the way the elements were in that game, it's going to be a lot different in Denver this week. I just I don't put, I don't put much on that game. Yeah, we put that in our preview that that game had a Rob Gronkowski for New England, uh, and that offense was completely different with him in there. And Von Miller for Denver had a huge impact on that the early lead that Denver built in that game. John Fox was also in hospital bed, or at least resting at home. Uh, Jack Del Rio was the interim coach for this game. Denver also really missed Dominic Rogers Cromartie in the second half of that game, who to me is maybe the key to their whole defense this week. You put him on Edelman. He's had a Pro Bowl caliber season, Rogers Cromartie. He's much better, I think, than the rest of the cornerbacks there, especially with Chris Harris out. And that was a big factor in that game. But as a Patriots fan, I do take something away from that game. They went toe-to-toe. To me, it was a very evenly played game. It was not a game that the Patriots were lucky to come back. They moved the ball the whole game. The Broncos got a 14-0 lead on two crazy fumbles that are just kind of crazy plays. They got the luck back later. To me, it looked like two even teams playing, which gives a little confidence when the rosters don't feel as even. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. Yeah, the Broncos definitely have more weapons on offense. I think you know Greg wrote a piece yesterday about year to year how under was it Belichick, a good piece? It was a great, great piece. piece. It was informative, okay. and it talked about a long the uh, <laughs> Belichick's ability to change the offense year after year, and not just year after year. Sometimes just in the middle of the season, they flat pivot and change what they're going to do. And we've seen that they've com- they've become this power run team. I think how Denver approaches that they've been better against the run. Denver has. But that matchup for me is maybe even bigger than some of the quarterback stuff going on. I, I know everyone's talking about the Patriots running game. It's, it's not like it's an under-the-radar story. But I'm not sure everyone realizes what an insane change it's been the last four weeks. He has thrown fewer passes than he has over a three-game stretch than he ever has in his career. Last, year, last week, we really saw in the two-minute drill at the end of the first half, they ran on first and second down with the whole field to go. It was insa- I, It was illogical, I think, that they weren't even throwing in that situation. But they were that big of a run-heavy team that they're even running in really traditional passing situations, running on third and three, running on third and five. That's who they are right now. That was I, a lot of disrespect for the Colts too, right? Yes. Yeah. I have a Sessler that they're going to come out past. Sessler's everywhere. Mm. <laughs> everywhere. Sessler. A lot of wolves in the at midday here. Why in Los is Angeles. that? <laughs> They're not going to sneak up on anybody with this rushing attack. Whereas with the Colts, it had only been established for a week or two, maybe three weeks. Everyone knows now because everybody's been talking about Blunt all week in this new rushing attack, and they don't lean on Brady as much. The Broncos, Mark wrote about this. They've only allowed 100, 100 yards to one team since week 13 on the ground. Potrose Kelly playing as well, or Potrose Knighton playing as well as any Nose tackle in the NFL. I like Pot Rose Kelly. That, uh, that sounds like a, sounds like a bare yeah, knuckle. Bam, Pot Rose Kelly, say. <laughs> bare knuckle boxer from uh, Fin de Siecle in the 19th century. They, they're not getting anything on the outside, though. Early in the season, Kenbrell Tompkins and Aaron Dobson, that, they were a big storyline. Remember those guys? Oh, yeah. And they were a big part of the offense. They had a lot of yards. When was the last time 
Kenbrell and Aaron Dobson were making plays. They haven't even had them both on the field together. Their status for this game is a little up in the air as we tape this. My guess is both of them are going to play this week, but we really don't know about Dobson. And just so that we can pump up something that everyone's written in this room, Dan <laughs> picked out Danny Amendola as his, I don't know, his like X-Factor under the radar guy. X-Factor. And this is, uh, listen, I, I hit it with Blunt last week, and I, I feel confident that, <laughs> I, what? You hit the Blunt? I hit the Blunt hard. I nailed it. <laughs> For you know, he went off for See, all those yards. You're, just, you're laughing at how self-satisfied you and Best. Dan is here. Yeah, it's either it's either the the veiled drug reference, which I wasn't intending, or my infinite hubris. One or the other. I'm not sure what you guys are laughing <laughs> that at. That sounds like a 1990s rock band, Infinite Hubris. <laughs> it was like a, a side project by the Collective Soul lead singer or something. Um, all right, so. Yes, Danny Amendola, I, I feel like, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, he's a bit of a tricky guy. And after running uh, to such an absurd level last week, they're going to throw the ball a lot. And you have, uh, you know, the Broncos secondary is banged up with Harris out. And they're going to be concentrating on Edelman, who's been their guy all year. Amendola, who we know is very talented. This will be the game where he shows up. Six for 114 and two scores. <laughs> and away we go. See, that's the thing. Chris Harris was their slot corner. It's a huge rule, especially on third downs. Quint Jammer got flat out exposed mm-hmm. last week in the fourth quarter. Uh, he got burnt. I don't know what they do at Champ, Bar- Champ Bailey will have to play every down this week. And he hasn't been starting, and there's a reason. It's because they don't think he's that good anymore. Is so- he going to be able to use his walker on the field? Oh, that's just mean. And and that's he a, could he could beat you in any physical contest care. on the. He is, he is one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. Don't care. And he's our age. Yeah. <laughs> he's younger than me. Uh, Harris, it's a great point because, like I said, they have no one on the outside, but they're going to flood people on the inside. they got Edelman. they got Amendola. They've got Vereen. And that's where the Broncos defenders are ultimately going to have to be good. I'm more concerned. What are the Patriots going to do? And the thing that really struck with, stuck with me after rewatching the game on uh, Game Rewind on the All-22 is the Patriots – stayed with their two deep safeties the whole game. Didn't matter that it was 24 nothing, and the Broncos were running every single down, and that Noshan Moreno ran for 237 yards, I believe, in that game. Didn't matter. They just were saying, beat us with the run. We'll take it, Peyton Manning. We know you're just going to keep checking to the run, calling runs, when we only have six or seven in the box, and we'll live with it. It didn't matter that they were that far behind, which is very rare to see a strategy like that. And the Broncos stuck with the run for the most part. And in the end, I guess it worked out for New England. Are they going to do that again? That's well, a good question. We don't know. I mean, that's what they say Peyton loves playing. Passes. <laughs> <Being Thomas. laughs> oh, wow. Get the little just, Omaha to, in there. I had to do that. Now, gold the standard. The gold standard behind the glass. Making himself part of the production here. I like that. He is the production. He's the producer. That's <laughs> oh, fair. He produces the entire show. Oh, no, they're saying that Peyton loves playing like cover two, and that's not what New England wants. Because you just run the ball all day long on that. But, you know, Baltimore last year beat the Broncos by putting, you know, a hobbled or slowed Ed Reed just deep back the entire game. It's not a terrible strategy just to I, As a Patriots fan, I love it. Because, okay, run Noshan Marina for 250 yards and take, take our chances. The difference between last year's game against the Ravens was Marino got hurt in that game. Yep, they got they were forced to go with Hillman, who was not ready to take on the feature back role. Now they have Monte Ball has outrushed Marino over the last five games. They have two capable backs. They can run for two hundred yards on the Patriots. 
and this is all great analysis, but I do want to focus a little bit on the quarterbacks here because this is uh, this could be it. This could be the last time Peyton Manning and Tom Brady square off at this level. And I think because it was such a hit on Tuesday, I'll bring it back for one one more oh. time. The uh, what's more likely just doesn't work without it, like a crowdsource behind it. But what's more likely? Here we go. Peyton Manning posts a 100 passer rating or Tom Brady posts a 100 passer rating. Peyton Manning. Hmm. I mean, look at what he's done this year. Of course it's Peyton Manning. Look at who he's throwing to. Of course it's Peyton Manning. Let's yes, not but a lot of people will argue the last that he's not weeks the same hasn't guy. Been that big a difference. You know, neither quarterback has the in in the championship games they played in, they're both mired in the 70s combined for their passer ratings. So what's your answer? You never like having answers with this game. I have an answer. I'm <laughs> going milk toast I'm milk. going Brady. I wish we could have the video on Mark when he said that. I'm going Brady because I I think that you have to pick one of these quarterbacks. Which one's going to make a couple critical mistakes? That's going to be well, Peyton Manning. Well, Wes, you said you didn't think about it. You said Manning, but I guess the the counter to that, and there are people that will say it, is that he is not the same guy in the playoffs, typically, that he is in the regular season. So you're saying that Manning is going to deliver. Uh, that's that's uh, poppycock. Okay. He hasn't been the same guy in the playoffs. That does not have predictive value. That does not mean that he's not going to be the same guy because he hasn't been in don't, the past. Like, don't yell at me about it. Okay. He, uh, he's I'm, pretending you're Adam Rank. He, yes. He, you're sitting there, doing. but he sees uh, Damashek in Rank. Yes. No, I, I'm playing. I think I agree with you. As Wink, <laughs> I cannot say what I actually feel. <laughs> but, I, yes, I think Peyton Manning is unfairly criticized for his postseason play. But I think it's fair, but I just don't think it's predictive. I would go with Manning, too. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to give away anything here about my predictions. I think you know who I'm picking in this game. But I still would take, Patri- I mean, would still take Peyton Manning in terms of who is going to have a higher passer rating. I don't think the Broncos are going to struggle in terms of throwing the ball. I think it's going to be a you high You don't have to do game. that much to have a 100 passer rating. To me, it's a personnel thing. Peyton Manning's throwing to Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas, Eric Decker, and Wes Welker. And he, he may also be throwing to some Patriots players. That's, true. That's what I'm <laughs> predicting. He could be throwing to Logan Ryan. Well, Greg, you brought up predictions, so now I will go around the room and ask you gentlemen for a winner, and not just the winner, the final score. And I will start Chris Wessling, the New England Patriots, heading to Mile High to face the Denver Broncos, the Super Bowl on the line. Uh, Broncos 41. Oofa. Patriots 31. Ooh. Now, if that happened, it would be by far the biggest margin of defeat for the Patriots this year. I believe the last two years. They led the league this year in smallest margin of defeat. And smallest margin of victory? Uh, I believe that's that, – I don't know if that's true or not, but they they did this year and last year. So they've lost a lot of close games, and then this year they won a lot of close games as well. No one has been able to beat the Patriots in a game that didn't come down to the last possession. That's what happens when you play cream puffs. Oh, stop. They well, played the Panthers. They played the Broncos. Yeah. I will say they this. They played the Saints. Saints and then 13 <laughs> beat cream Denver, puffs. by the way. Just throwing that in there. When I – yeah. <laughs> right. When I try to – you know, when I try to talk about the figure out this game, I noticed the a, a trend with the Patriots the past three years. These cream puffs they keep getting in the divisional round. That's true. Tebow led Broncos 
three years ago. The Mojo Free Texans, who were in a free fall by that point last year, another blowout win. And then the Colts, who I know we all got excited about after the comeback, but they weren't a great team either. So, well, Who would you have rather played, the Colts or the Chargers, who Denver played? About the same. Yeah. Really? I would. I, I mean, I understand difference. what happened with Indy, but I think that New England, you know, in another scenario, they played one of the better quarterbacks in football, and Andrew Luck had a bad can't, night. Can't both of those opponents be weak? Sure. Yeah, they both were. Uh, Mark? I, I'm going to go with what I had on the site, which is... You should. I mean, that would be you, weird It if would you be didn't. strange yeah. <laughs> were I to veer off that, although I have the power to do that right now, uh, but I'm not going to. Uh, 38... 35 New England in overtime. Overtime wow. every time. <laughs> I would like to see that. If they go to overtime, I would definitely favor New England. I what like how to, everyone's counting Brady out. stuff. Because I think Brady is the more reliable quarterback in the clutch. That doesn't mean I don't think that Peyton Manning will have a higher passer rating for the whole game. I gotcha. don't know if Brady's really coming off a great game either. After rewatching that game, he missed a lot of – not that he played poorly, but he wasn't that big of a factor in why they won, which is crazy, and he missed a lot of throws. Well, they ran the ball 47 times. Right, but in the throws that he had, he he missed a lot of throws for the amount that he made. I was a little surprised when I when I went back and watched that. Mark, I guess when you, when you predict a game will end in overtime, it's basically a literal coin flip for you? Or do you actually feel strongly the No, I, I would agree with, Wes, with what Wes just said, that if it gets into that situation, and this is really just a, a guess more. You mean I, late and close. It doesn't necessarily have to be overtime. But if it comes down to I, it. I, I think that Brady, for all, every, all everyone's heaping all this criticism on, on him this season, that he remains an assassin. In, well, it's like, oh, he, oh the idea that he's a val- the most valuable player. I guess statistically that he's not the same guy, that he's not able to throw the ball the same that he has in the past. I will take him over anyone in football with a couple minutes to go in the, in the game on the line. Over anyone, especially over Peyton Manning. Greg, I think he's been the best player in the league since week nine. Now, that you don't give out the MVP on that, but I think since then he's been the best player in the league. And that, and so many other reasons, why of course I'm taking the Patriots. I've taken them <laughs> 17 times this year, and so far they've won 13 of those. I'm going to take them another time because there's something about this team coming back from oh, 24 points. Against the Broncos. Get out of your chair. Joe Villano <laughs> and Chris He's Jones are starting at defensive tackle. Joe Villano and Chris Jones. And, and that's helping you guys? That's not a good thing. But they're, what is happening? They're still on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. And I think you hear it in the statements that Belichick and Brady have made that there's something a little fun about this team. They're remembering back to when they didn't have a title. They're and playing that they with were house young money. And hungry. House money Patriots. Yeah, I agree, and that's why they'll go in loose, believing that I agree with win, you on that, and they'll get get it done. It's always better to be what, playing with house money. What's the score? Oh, I have to give a score. Uh, <laughs> Wait a second, <laughs> I'll go thirty-four, thirty-one. I could see a lot of points in this game. Thirty-four, thirty-one. All right, and uh, I have the Broncos winning thirty-five, twenty-four. So sorry, Dan, you're going to get that wrong. Yeah. Wow. Pa- yeah, I mean, How I just think end? I really, I really think the Broncos are the better team. They're the best team in the conference, and they're better than the Patriots. Patriots are a good team with great coaching and a, an amazing quarterback, but they've lost a lot of guys in personnel. I don't buy in, into the magic factor. I know Ooh. every every Boston team now has magic around it. Like no. that's that's the thing that gets spun and spit out <laughs> at us. Right. Every team is magic. Forget the magic beards and you know. You know what the magic's name is, Jamie. Collins. I mean, that was one of the best performances by a defensive player I've seen from a Patriot in about a decade. He's 
covering people 25 yards down the field, and he's getting sacks, and he's blowing up run plays. Jamie Collins coming out party number two. What's the last year that New England's <laughs> fan base experienced a losing season with, with the Patriots? Was it 99? 2000. Uh, 2000. 2000? We were trying to figure out who to compare Jamie Collins to, and the closest we got was an early career Adelius Thomas with the Ravens. He was never a, like a great blitzer like that, though. I mean, that sure was one was. of the best games. That was an amazing game. That's all I have to say. All right, so we're split, the two of uh, the four of us, uh, each of us, or excuse me, Wes and I took the Broncos, Mark and Greg took the Patriots. So uh, that will be fun. Now we move to the second game, and hopefully we'll have something more decisive for this game we could give the people, because everyone's confused now that are listening. Like They wanted some answers, and it's just it's more wide open in the AFC. In the NFC, we have the 49ers. Dan, yes. our listeners think for themselves. <laughs> Good call, Wes. I'm really glad you didn't go into the woods. I'm really glad. Uh, the 49ers and Seahawks, these two teams split their head-to-head matchups this season, each team winning in their own building. Uh, this seems like forever ago, but the Seahawks beat the Niners 29-3 to in Week 2. And then over. Uh, fast forward to Week 14, and the Niners beat the Seahawks 19-17 in Week 14 on a, on a uh, late field goal. Very uh, close game. Now, I ask you, gentlemen, do we take anything from those games? It's kind of hard to, isn't it? I take a lot from the last three games these teams have played. Since Kaepernick entered the starting lineup, I think we've seen a little bit of a we've seen a little bit of a pattern here. Nobody plays Kaepernick as well as the Seahawks do, hmm. especially at home. Fourteen career interceptions in twenty-eight games. More than a third of those have come in three games against the Seahawks. They've held him to his worst games. As two of the worst four games he's had as in, in the NFL have been against the Seahawks in Seattle. And they ran a lot of read option in that first game, and it didn't work at all. And they gave up on it by the end. I mean, the 49ers, maybe it's going against it in practice. I don't know. They were ready. And I've kind of been waiting to see if they're going to uncork that a little bit. And, you know, he obviously had some big runs in the first round. I mean, they were ready for that the first time, and when they tried it in the second matchup, didn't really do much, and they didn't go back to it that much. I, I do take, along with you guys, I, I do take away what we saw more so than in the Patriots-Broncos matchup between these two uh, teams in the NFC. Th- these guys are divisional foes. They know each other so well. In many ways, I think they're just sort of carbon copies of each other, and uh, I, I think that by even what they deal with in practice, like you just said, is it translates into what they deal with with each other, and um, I don't think it's going to be... Man, this could go either way. This one is... I, I don't have a problem with this being the late game. I'm a little bit more excited about this game. It's a great matchup. Kaepernick has better weapons now. Crabtree's healthier. Bolden's playing great. Vernon Davis is playing great. So he's got better personnel. Seahawks, on the other hand, have one of the best pass defenses we've ever seen. There's kind of a sentiment that Byron Maxwell hasn't been playing that great. They can maybe pick on him. Richard Sherman has the best passer rating against him in the NFL, or the worst passer rating, as the case may be. Byron Maxwell is second. Woo! Mm. Maxwell. And he built that up quite a bit in the last game against the 49ers because Maxwell was relatively new to the starting lineup then, and they, they tried to pick on him. They threw at him all day. It seemed like half of the passes that Kaepernick threw were towards Maxwell, but he got an interception. He held his own for the most part, and, and the 49ers weren't really that effective throwing the ball that day. 
like the 49ers remind me a little bit of New England on offense in the sense that they, uh, like the Patriots, have had to shift gears on their strategy in some degree. A lot of their passing earlier in the season came out of run-heavy looks, almost essentially in some games, where they didn't even have the guys at wide out to split three, four guys out. And they were d- doing that also to simplify for Kaepernick, I think, some of the looks and some of the reads. Because I don't think he's necessarily where you'd want him to be in terms of reading a defense. And that's the, maybe the trap against Seattle, that one reason they're able to do that to any quarterback. But last couple weeks with Crabtree back, their offense is more versatile than it's been in a long time in terms of its passing game. And that's the difference to me. Crabtree, man, we talked, we said in the in the last episode, could he have, what was 125, 135 yards? I think he's about the only guy on this team for San Francisco that could do that this week. Since their last game, I think it was week 14, nobody has held the 49ers under 23 points, and they only have one turnover on offense. They're, they're random offenses, though, right now. Neither one of the teams, I can just hear Greg Cosell or Ron Jaworski's voice in my ear complaining about that nothing is timing based on this offense. Nothing is in... You know, drop back five steps and throw the ball. And For either offense? Pretty much right okay. now. There's not a lot of great traditional passing plays. The, the best plays are coming off of improvisations and scrambling and then throwing the ball. They're both struggling a little bit right now to throw. Is, Wilson and Kaepernick. Well, is the worst, if we want to talk about the worst unit on the field, Seattle's pass offense dealing with what San mm. Francisco's defense has been getting better and better every week. I think if there's one area where there could be a breakdown, it's what Seattle has to do if they get stuck having to throw the ball. It seems so odd to hear that. Then Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson was an MVP candidate the last time these two teams played. But his numbers, and it's not just about numbers, but his production and really the way that they've tried to attack teams has completely fallen off a cliff through the air in the last month. Well, I was trying. I was trying to figure out why why that's happened. They've got. $25 million of their cap space is tied up in Sidney Rice, Zach Miller, and Percy Harvin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that trio has combined for 100 yards over the past five weeks. There you go. Well, you have the, in the two previous games, neither quarterback had a 200-yard game, although Wilson came close with 199 in the second matchup. One question I have for you guys. Um, there, a lot of people will obviously be picking the Seahawks. There will be a lot of people picking the Niners too, but I could see the Seahawks potentially being the more popular pick. Is it possible by Sunday night a lot of people are going to be kicking themselves when, when you remember how great the Niners have been for the past six weeks or so compared to how the Seahawks have looked in the last few weeks, which uh, you could argue that they peaked already and are not playing their best football? I don't think so because I think the 49ers have been playing really well and they're consistent, but they're not blowing anyone out. They won by three points in Green Bay. They played really well last week. They barely won in Arizona. I'm not, I don't think they're so indestructible that you would think that they've got all the momentum and that they're the better team here. I think these are about as evenly matched as it could be, and that's a change from early in the season when we thought the Seahawks were so much better. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Russell Wilson came out and, and had a great game. Right. 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 I think, you know, we we can't just declare the Seahawks passing game dead. No. They're, no, but they're I, sleeping, but they're not dead. But and, we're looking at what's happened. Right. But you're we, right. That's not a fatal thing. We can't also negate the fact that Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel have just put tight reins on Wilson and have decided we're not going to let him blow, blow games because we're just cruising into the playoffs. It's a good point. We're 
we're talking about how much they're struggling, but both of these quarterbacks are awesome. I mean, that shouldn't get lost. They're both so capable of having a transcendent, dominant performance. I think they both have that in them. It's just as a team, they haven't really been getting that going yet lately. One of these teams will make history. The only team in NFL history that's been ranked 26th or lower to make the Super Bowl is the 1982 Dolphins with David Woodley as their quarterback. Hmm. I think the in Seahawks, passing. Yeah, in passing. I think the Seahawks are 26th in passing and the 49ers are 30th. That's because they're, I mean, they are cookie cutters of, of each other in the sense that they want to run the ball. And, and you look at what San Francisco did against the Panthers in the second half last week. They just said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run at you all day long, and you've got one of the best front sevens in football, Carolina, and you're not going to stop us. And they couldn't. And they basically, they talked about how Roman disguised what he was going to do in the run game so well that nothing that they saw in the first half translated. And they are a well-coached team on that front. There are only two NFL teams this year that ran the ball more than 50% of the time. Guess who they were? I think these two teams. And Marshawn Lynch has four. The Jaguars and Raiders. (laughs) (laughs) No? Six six times a running back has rushed for 100 yards on – or no, the top six running back performances against Jim Harbaugh's defense with the 49ers, Marshawn Lynch has four of them. Ooh, I like that step, mm. but I don't think it's going to happen again because only one of these teams has Navarro Bowman. <laughs> you know, we get to drill down on these teams a little more than we can in the regular season when we're trying to watch every team, and I've got to watch the, you know, the 49ers a lot more the last few weeks and gone back. And I can see why they were pumping up Bowman for Defensive Player of the Year. It's crazy that people still think of Bowman and Willis in the same category because, to me, Bowman is at such another level. Willis was a guy they actually targeted and exposed, I think, in that first game. In the passing game. In the passing game. I saw Luke Wilson beat him down the seam a couple of times. Right. And maybe Zach Miller, maybe Luke Wilson gets involved this week. You mean Luke (laughs) Will-Ilson? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Will-Ilson. Bowman is just crazy in terms of his closing speed is just insane and just how he tracks down quarterbacks and running backs there's i don't know if anyone played defense any better than bowman this year our vote was for quinn but after watching bowman over and over i don't know how you can play inside linebacker any better than he's you should tell him that yeah you you should tell quinn that a couple minutes from now (laughs) he He is the guy people think luke keekly is i was gonna say the exact same sentence oh that oh, Navarro well, Bowman is who terrible. people is who people proclaim Luke Keekley to be. Mark yeah. and I are just going to excuse ourselves, so you guys can <laughs> set up a picnic here after the podcast. Hey, one this is the wild card right here. Um, not going to be shocking to, throughout this name, but Percy Harvin, uh, he looked really good before he suffered the concussion. And here, but it's wide open because we first of all we're not even sure he's playing. I assume that he probably will, considering the stakes, despite the concussion protocol. And I don't know if he'd survive a game with the 49ers on the field, just absolutely destroying him uh, after he, he seemingly was targeted last week, it seemed, and he didn't make it through the first half. Every single time he touches the ball, he's on the ground. Right. But if he plays <laughs> and if he somehow avoids you know, uh, tractor-trailer collisions, he can blow up the game still, and he showed that he's moving well and he's still explosive. And in a game with two teams that are this close, he could still be the potential wild card that Swings this. I think if you're Seattle, though, you have to completely prepare for him to, even if he's healthy, not be there all four quarters. It just, it's, this guy, he's not done this in a year. We probably don't talk enough that 
Wilson's struggling because Golden Tate's his number one receiver and Doug Baldwin and these tight ends. I mean, there's a reason why they're not as aggressive as they were a year ago when they were throwing the ball over the place in the playoffs. Well, they had the same receiving core last year except Sidney Rice is out, but Tate was their leading was their leading receiver down the last nine games of last season, yeah. too. But Maybe to Dan's point, like, let's say, as, as he suggests, that Harvin has that one play that changes everything. Everything they gave for him suddenly is worth it. If that's what it came down to, that in the NFC Championship, he finally Because they does. knew they could He'd get this like far the, without him. He'd be like the John, J.D. Drew. The John Lackey. But you knew where I was going. <laughs> I mean, of course I did. Red Sox magic. When Boston's involved, there's magic uh, in the air, and there's <laughs> sprinkling dust all over the postseason I'll throw one at you. Landscape. He'd be like Francisco Cabrera. Does that not work? <laughs> I barely, I barely even remember what that was about. I but him. I remember like a major baseball. That was the last. That was the last time you watched. Nothing's more fun than baseball. Mark's baseball analysis. Yeah, you, the bet. Well, the best is when uh, our fantasy guy Michael Fabiano rolls over early mornings and starts talking Yankees with me because we're both Yankees fans. And then uh, Sessler just makes up some some just I nonsense. I know my Yan- I know a lot of facts about the Yankees, but I don't think Fabiano <laughs> understands that you have no idea what you're talking about when you say, "Well, no. I think second base is there's a hole there, and we need some more power in the outfield." I need to see more fire from that middle relief. <laughs> and he's like, "You're right. I mean, that's I, probably true." Somehow you always manage to slip Lonnie Chisholm into the discussion. That is Lonnie. Whenever get in I there. can. Um, all right, gentlemen, it's prediction time. Ooh, already. And Greg, just so you these know, so we fast. give the scores too. I feel like we've been building up to these shows. Yeah, I just want it to last forever. Maybe we'll do an. Do Eisen, you have points to make? An Eisen-like <laughs> two and a half hour podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I I could make points all day. You know me. I won't shut up. All right, Greg. This time I'll start with you. I'd like your <laughs> the final score and the winner of the NFC Championship. I was back and forth on this all week. It. De- if we had taped this pod a day earlier, the pick might have been different. But I'm going back to my first instinct. The San Francisco 49ers go in there. They get a 20-17 to 17 victory on the road. And like Mark, I'll get a little wacky. How about it's led by a punt block? For the third straight game, they block a Seahawks punt. They did it twice this season. Wow. Get it done again and get the win. Oofa. <laughs> you don't like this pick? You know, I'm... I picked Seattle, as you know, in my preseason uh, analysis, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and I don't like – I, I want to switch. Can mm-hmm. I switch? Yeah, I don't care. No, no one cares. I think that San Francisco is going to win this game 25-12. to 12. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and Four field goals. I'm not Seahawks. sure it's going to be that close. Wow. Why? Why that big a difference? I just feel like that the 49ers are going to get a couple big turnovers and put Seattle out of their game. And uh, not a lot of logic behind it because <laughs> you can't beat this team at home. But I just think that this is San Francisco's day. I'm sticking with that. <laughs> well, you're not sticking with it. Well, I you, can change you, my mind at any time. Jump but, uh, the fence like a common trader. To the people Against my own of pick. Seattle, you're covered either you way now. The, I know how you, you work. You were the you were the man. You were the by 12th the way. Man. If Seattle gets in, then it, my I, that other prediction is still correct. It's very cunning. So this is yeah, this is well done. It's actually kind of out of my book. I respect that, <laughs> Chris Wessling. I have the exact same score as Greg in my write up on NFL.com. Twenty to seventeen. I have the Seahawks. Yeah, buddy. 
They're 16-1 and with Russell Wilson. Their average score at home, 29-13. to They've outscored the 49ers 88-35 to in their matchups. They haven't even been playing close games at, at Seattle. Hmm. So I'm, th- I'm saying a close game because San Francisco, I feel like, is the better team right now. They're just not better in Seattle Stadium. And if anyone's going to come up with a putt block or a key turnover, it will be the Seahawks, who have a plus 26 turnover edge at home since Russell Wilson took over as quarterback. Oh, my. That's a big number. Plus 26. We should let Gold Standard pick one of these games. We will. <laughs> okay. you, don't, you don't want to hear that. Let's not cheapen the brand. He's, he's going to say something about soccer. Yeah, he's going to pick Man I think U. the Metro Stars are going to really bounce back this season. That's, that's actually underratedly good knowledge, though, Dan. <laughs> we know what you do in your spare time. He's going to pick uh, – What's another team? The uh, the Good Rovers. Job, Wes. The Rovers. Wes, improv genius. I love it. <laughs> Wes, I want you. This Tottenham. Is, <laughs> this this is what I put for my prediction as well. Wow. I have I pointed to a piece of paper to the people listening and had rest. Great rest podcast. Yes, twenty to seventeen Seahawks as well. Wait, uh, the three of you all the same score? Yeah. Yeah. Oddly sheep. enough. Watch how watch how this turns we're in the other direction. To, we're Wait, but to he numbers. picked the other team. Uh, Greg picked the other team. Fair enough. <laughs> we're just we're sheep to the actual <laughs> fake score. To the no, score. Two numbers. People we're should. Sheep to there numbers. are other Strange. games can finish in other ways people than should, twenty to seventeen. People should get on this when you put the 49ers in a big game and you have me predicting the score exactly. Magical things happen, like the exact Super Bowl score <laughs> from a year ago it's with fair. the Ravens winning. I like how Mark is getting on us for a 2017 final when he picked a 25-12. That's like <laughs> if you like asked your wife who doesn't watch football what the final score would be. She it's would like say 25-12. It's like first quarter of a Bulls game totally, from 1992. Totally possible, <laughs> and it is a, my sports lock of the week. <laughs> wow. I picked the, the reason I picked the Seahawks is oh, the West made a lot of great points, so I'll just piggyback on all those. And also that they've been the best team all season, and now they're at home in the game they waited all season for, and I'm just not overthinking it. What about your little tweet that's hanging out there that's going to bring you redemption? Oh, yeah, that's right. You can't even – you don't have what? a choice no, no. in this game. You said the Seattle Seahawks are winning the Super Bowl in a blowout. The season is over. This was week 12, <laughs> so you can't back off. That's well, already – did I back off it? What am I missing? No, you're not. I'm just that's saying he's, you didn't he, have to think about you're it. You're right on the – wait, real quick. Which I don't AFC jump team – let's say Seattle went, right? <laughs> Yeah. Which AFC team do you think would have a bigger shot of being blown out? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. They're going to blow out whoever they face. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Both teams are equally hopeless. <laughs> whoever I, faces the mighty Seahawks at MetLife Stadium in now, the snow. Now, we're all going to well, go be there at the game. And one way I've covered myself both ways, kind of like you did by straddling the fence, I'd much rather cover the Seahawks. I don't want the 49ers again. So I'll be happy – Either way, wouldn't the Seahawks be a more fun team to go cover? Pete Carroll, new team. I don't know. They just seem like a better yes. story from yeah, a really selfish story perspective. Well, I could think of more boring teams than the Niners. I like the Niners. No, I agree. I do not want to write about Jim Harbaugh's khakis for another two weeks. Well, well you will. Just, you I know. was just going to say the same thing. Like I, I, I was fascinated by this this week, but it'll be old news by next oh, week. It will be there. completely grounded to the. I'm already done with Omaha. Oh, yeah. That's been driven into the ground. Listeners thinking, woe is you having to go to New York (laughs) and cover the Super Bowl for a week. I'm looking forward to it no matter what, but I shake it up a little bit. I'm going to have a new Super Bowl parka. Are you guys? What? 
No. Yeah, I don't even own a to. coat, so I need to buy. Right. I didn't. I didn't yeah. have a coat. I've been living in warm weather yeah. climates for a while. But no, this came across our work email. You, there was an offer. You can buy a parka through the NFL. Oh. <laughs> you didn't need more than a parka. It's gonna be like twelve degrees there. That's what I said. That's what a parka is. Wait, they're not giving it away. You have to buy it. You have to buy it through the NFL. They you, they give you a, a significant. I'm gonna buy a woolen overcoat discount. <laughs> Isn't a parka what Eskimos wear? All right. Seems more like a raincoat. I don't really no, know. No, no, that's a poncho. Uh. They both start with P's, though. <laughs> this has gone off the tracks. We have uh, we have Robert Quinn coming into the studio. To save us. To, sa- to save <laughs> us is accurate. Uh, Mark, you will I'm going to go down and take care of business. Mark is going to go watch the news for us and cover whatever happens. Be happy to. Have- enjoy your time with the Defensive Player of the Year. 25 to 12. Absurd score. Lock it in. <laughs> Lock it. All right. Thank you. Right, we have a very special guest in Studio 66 right now. He is a star defensive end for the St. Louis Rams. He was recently named by the Pro Football Writers as the Defensive Player of the Year. Ooh. I mean, it goes on and on. He had 19 sacks this year, though second in the league, seven forced fumbles, 18 tackles for a loss, just a beast of the highest order. His name is Robert Quinn. <laughs> oh, man. What's up, Robert? Not much. How you doing? Pretty good build-up right there, right? Yeah, it definitely was. Where was the music? I know. <laughs> See, that's our producer behind the glass, the oh, gold man. standard. Next time, Robert. Maybe in post we get added in. So, Robert, so you obviously an amazing season this year. And it goes to show there were so many people that basically were saying, oh, J.J. Watt, he's going to be the runaway winner. of. He's by far the best defensive player in the year. But the truth of the matter is you never know what will happen. Quinn steps up, monster year. So I ask you, Robert, do you – believe you're deserving of the the big one the associated press defensive player of the year award i definitely think i do should i start making my case yeah do it. let's hear it, it. <laughs> I like this. okay um i just start with uh you know the opening game against the cardinals you know i had a sack force fumble huge turnover for the team basically i think it was a game tying on game winning field goal so that was one win <laughs> all right that's one Mar- i'm marking these down um then there was Chicago, where I got the uh, sack, strip, force, fumble, and a touchdown to seal mm. the game. That's, that's two. That counts. That's two. two. <laughs> that's two wins, not just moments. <laughs> um, well, then we go to Indianapolis. The thing was their first pass play, strip, uh, sack, force, fumble. Chris Long returns it for a touchdown, so that's two touchdowns. Wow. Touchdowns, <laughs> three overall. So you're, you're passing Dan's test. We debated this topic during the season, and Dan wanted more. We were talking, some of us, we thought maybe it was J.J. Watt for some of the year, and Dan said, you can't have a guy who doesn't have game-changing, game-winning types of plays. That's three. So you're speaking the language. That's three right there. <laughs> uh, uh, is that all of them, or do you have more? Um, there, <laughs> when we played New Orleans, there was a <laughs> there was this. a huge one where I think we're I think they was going in or making a huge drive and strip uh, sack, strip, force, fumble, and that's four momentum. That's four. That's four. That uh, was a blowout. <laughs> um, that's a grand slam right, right there. Four. You got us. Yeah, I'll, you I'll leave it right there. We're locked in. <laughs> I like that you didn't go negative with your campaigning. It was oh, all no, not it was at about all. you. It wasn't anti, you know, Richard Sherman or anything right, like that. Right, that's how you sell it. Robert doesn't know. We didn't have to be convinced. We've been calling you the Defensive Player of the Year since probably around Thanksgiving. Oh, well, well thank you. Hopefully I solidify that. But, you know, yeah. there was definitely some great other, you know, other guys worthy of it. But I'll, I won't so, mind bringing it home. Your team has a number two overall draft pick. A lot of people think Jadavian Clowney is 
worthy of that pick. You guys probably have the deepest defensive line in the NFL. Do you think Clowney would be a guy that you might take a chance on, that you might be playing alongside him or opposite him? Uh, <laughs> no, that's – you can definitely take him at two. Like you said, we're so deep on our D line. Do we? Do we take him? Do we stay at number two? Do we? You know, especially with having the thirteenth pick. Also, you know, I think we, me maybe wiggle, but you know, I will leave that for a, you know, less need and Coach Fisher to worry about. Wait, you would what? You would? You don't think you would? You wouldn't want another big time premier pass rusher? Or you'd look I, somewhere else. Whatever they think we need to fill a need at. You Robert, know, I think D-line is okay, but, hey, you, you never got to have too much talent, you know? Yeah. Robert doesn't <laughs> want to share sacks. <laughs> he, he would like to get 20 next year. He doesn't 30. want Clowney blowing around the corner and getting to guys before he does. <laughs> He's already got Chris Long doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so you you played the two teams that you know we just talked about, Seattle in San Francisco four times, so you're probably in a better position to talk about them than anyone. You had big games against Seattle, four sacks in those two games. You had one against the 49ers. What are the differences in terms of the offensive lines when you're going up against those two teams? Um, I think I just think offense, is, uh, offense in general, um, you know, 49ers, well, both, you know, Seattle and uh, the 49ers definitely want to establish a run, but I think – Seattle, they want to give Russell a little more freedom to throw the ball downfield and become that dominant passer. So I think that's why maybe my sack numbers were a little bit higher compared to um, the 49ers. But, you know, when we play the 49ers, they kind of got the best of us. So, you know, they get up you know, they get up early on you and all they got to do is run the ball. It's, it's hard to get sacks. But, you know, they like I said, uh, Joe Staley, he's uh, not an easy guy to go against. Uh, then you got Ocone, um no, he's a tough one. So I definitely think I think that's the big difference. Just because they want to give Russell a little more opportunity to throw the ball. You put on a show on Monday Night Football <laughs> against Seattle. And some of the backups in that game. When you see that some backups in are just kind of salivating, <laughs> like these guys don't have a chance. Uh, you definitely, I definitely lick your chops a little bit. But I mean, you know, of course it feels O'Kong. I think I approach it the same way. You know, you just gotta have kind of have that mindset as a D lineman uh, that no one can block you. You know, no my. D-line coach says the only person that could block you is yourself. So that's kind of the mindset you take in each and every game. What's the difference between the two quarterbacks in terms of pursuit when you're going after them and taking those two down? Do you think one is harder to get down on the ground than the other? Ooh, that's tough. Um, yeah, that's a tough. I think with Russell, you know, if he's booting out or running running away from me, he's I think he's looking to throw downfield, but Kaepernick's he's looking, you know, to, to take off run, so take off running. So um, I think that's the biggest difference. So either way, you know, they're two fast guys. You know, you got to close ground on them fast or as fast as you can, and hope to get them down. You know. All right, let's put you on the spot. Who wins on Sunday? <laughs> it's been. Uh, I think just because it's in Seattle. Um, yeah, I think Seattle will edge it. You know, probably like a. 14 or 17 14 type game nothing crazy but i think it's going to come down to the wire are you annoyed that your two division rivals are in this game or are you kind of like all right this shows the nfc west is the toughest division you have pride in that or is it just going to bother you when you see one robert actually he's filed paperwork for realignment (laughs) i've I've seen it (laughs) um and i was i guess you can look at it both ways it's frustrating you know of course being out the playoffs, you know, that's the frustrating part. But I think it shows that 
where we have a tough division. Um, you know, Arizona barely missed making the playoffs. So, you know, that just goes to show you how, you know, like I said, how tough it is. But, uh, I mean, if one of them happens to win it, just, you know, we got that, I guess, that drive to when we see them next year to, you know, take them down. But, like I said, our division is no pushover. So it's, we're going to have to put that work in. If you thought Har- Harbaugh and Kaepernick were insufferable now, just wait if they win a title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert Quinn stopped by today. He's on his way to Hawaii uh, for the Pro Bowl. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And you also continue the streak. Whenever we have someone in the studio, the the guest is always the best dressed by far. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Very well put together. Well, it's, not a, it's not a good field here. This, my, my Gap polo shirts keep getting defeated by successful NFL stars. Uh, Robert Quinn, thank you very much, and the best of luck. All right, thank you. Robert Quinn, nice guy and confident about his chances on February 1st at Radio City Music Hall NFL Honors, where they announce the Defensive Player of the Year. He should be confident. He stated quite a strong case there. He has our vote. I don't know if he's going to win it. I would be surprised if he wins it. My guess is Keekley or Sherman wins it, unfortunately. And, you know, it wouldn't be a, a travesty if those guys won. No, but, no I think there's... Ten guys that could win it this year, and, and I wouldn't be that upset. Right, but none of them were in this studio. Exactly. More importantly, he picked the Seahawks like Wes and I, which, you know, is a tiebreaker, Wes. We're now locked in. We know we're going to win our uh, get our predictions. Well, actually, Kevin Patra. Oh, Kevin, that's right. Chose the 49ers, so that's 3-3 on those picks. He also chose Stalemate. the Broncos. So uh, surprisingly split on that game. Broncos 3 and 2, me and Sessler took the Patriots. So... Just shows what a great weekend this is going to be. For those scoring at home, yes, that's what it all is. And uh, we will be back on Sunday night, of course, to talk about these two massive games. We're going to break it all down, uh, and you know, people will be gloating about their picks. There will be sadness. It could get awkward in the room. K-Rich will be behind the glass. Uh, until then, uh, signing off, this is Dan Hansis for The Mailman, The Boss, The Sizzler, and the gold standard behind the glass until Sunday. What about Uber? Changed everything. Oh, really? Game done changed, son. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. 
real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.